Good evening and welcome to 100 Ghostly Candles. I am your host, Nathaniel Miller, joined by my co-host, Mitch Hammond. Overwhelmed by the pressures of work and responsibility, we often rely on others to care for our elderly relatives. But what happens when they neglect their responsibility and leave the helplessly ill to suffer alone in the dark? Now, join us as we light another candle on this dark night. I remember that awful night. It all started to go south at about 5.30 in the evening when I got stuck in a meeting that was cutting into my personal time. My supervisor had approved my request to leave early that day, but the director was still busy roasting one of the new interns, who we'll call Junior, who I was supervising for a botched marketing piece that went out to the clients before it even had the chance to be reviewed by the marketing head. Me. I should have known better than to trust Junior with the task, but I'd been in a hurry all day. Junior was barely capable of putting together an informal presentation, let alone following the directions in the ancient manuscript written by my predecessors on flow protocols. I had to apologize profusely and take full responsibility for the mistake. So, 6 p.m. rolls around, and I start to get really anxious because I had a date with the girl I met last weekend at the local standing bar. She asked me if I wanted to join her for the festival over at Kichioji. We had settled on 7 p.m., and I was 20 minutes away by train, not to mention the walk from the office. On top of that, I had to correct Junior's mistake before I could even think of going anywhere. Much more time here, and I was definitely going to be late, and I pride myself on punctuality. Besides, she was cute and I was really trying to make a good impression. When the meeting was over, I felt a buzz in my pants pocket, but I ignored it. I would grab it when I was on my way out of the office. Finally, freedom was here. I quickly ran towards my desk, avoiding all eye contact. I was nearly there when I heard my name called out from the back of the room. It was the director's voice. (sighs) I turned around, and he proceeded to lay even deeper into me than he had in the group meeting. The anxiousness inside me grew into rage, and I felt my face grow hot, but I quickly pushed it down. Now was not the time to start acting like a fool. Luckily for me, he was quick, and I was able to speed to my desk and fix Junior's mistake. Ugh. Finally, I had made it. I was done for the week. When I was leaving my desk, I tried to show how much of a hurry I was really in, even politely declining small talk with some coworkers which wasn't typical behavior for me. I distinctly remember I was determined to finally have some fun that weekend. I hurried to the elevators and down to the locker room, which had been my home for the past few days. Shriveled cigarette butts and empty coffee cups lined the bottom of my locker, a testament to my late-night brainstorming. Glancing down at them now was a reminder that I should really quit, but old habits die hard, especially under the circumstances. I began to change. My gym bag buzzed a few times, but at the moment, I was half-naked and one arm reaching into a fresh new shirt. I needed to change. I was late, and whatever it was could wait until I had some free time on the train. That day was so stressful, and I remember myself imagining the fun I would have at the Autumn Festival. This had been the first time in months I'd gotten away from taking care of my grandma at home because my brother finally decided to step up and help for once. He promised he was going to help her get through her cold and watch her while I was pulling in extra time at the office. 
Grandma had recently experienced a severe heart attack and was having a tough time of it. On top of that, she was also coming down with something right around the same time I needed to spend four nights at the office trying to meet this deadline. As I had left the building, I was blasted by a wall of crisp, chilly air. Autumn was officially here. You can just tell. The air just smells different. It's always been my favorite season by far. Anyway, I met my date at the station as I was getting off the train. She was beautiful, even better than I remembered. Between the stimulating conversation and festive atmosphere, time passed quickly. It was a blissful blur, but I do remember we were making plans to go to lunch near her place on Sunday when I felt another buzz on my cell phone. Great, low battery. Luckily, she had an extra charger and let me use it. As I was plugging it in, I realized I hadn't checked in with my brother. I unlocked my phone and I saw I had a text from my grandma saying she wasn't feeling well and was wondering when my brother was going to show up and where the cell phone charger cable was. The time and date of the message was from four days ago. I texted her back but got no immediate response. My phone was also showing that I had two voicemails. The first was the Tokyo police saying my brother had been arrested and that I was needed at the station for questioning and to confirm some personal information about him. That was also from four days ago. Then, they had called again and left another voicemail three days ago. A feeling of dread washed over me. Had I been so busy at work that I'd lost track of time? And worse, had my brother not been there to help Grandma all week? I apologized to my date for having to leave immediately and ending the delightful evening. I remember being so angry and so upset with myself and my brother. The first thing was to make sure Grandma was okay. My brother could rot in jail for all I cared. I took the bus to the train station and then took the train home. I kept trying to call home, but each time it went straight to voicemail. When I finally got home, it was late. I unlocked the door to the apartment and I could just tell something was wrong. Trying to shake off the weird feeling, I went to turn on the lights in the entryway. They didn't respond. I walked a few feet further, calling out to Grandma. Silence. Nothing but silence. I tried to turn on the lights in the kitchen. Nothing. My brain tried to make sense of the situation. The power must have been out, but for how long? The kitchen smelled of rotting garbage and old food stewing in the fridge. The power must have been out for a while. All of a sudden, I could hear rumbling and the sounds of boards creaking in the bedroom. I ran. I called out. Where was Grandma? Is she okay? But there was no response. I threw open her door and the smell of blood assaulted my senses. I was immediately nauseous and frozen in place. I found her. Grandma. She was on her side, facing the window. The room was dark. The drapes were closed. And the only light was a sliver of moonlight that shone through a small gap in the drapes. Blood. Blood was dripping from the bed, shining in the moonlight. The sheets were completely soaked. The floor was covered. My heart was racing, but I couldn't move. I yelled to Grandma. No response. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw something move. The sheet. Something moved underneath the sheet. In a moment of sheer power of will, I forced my body to pull it back. It was horrible. Something with scaly white arms and the body of an old man with greasy, long, white hair had a mouthful of flesh squishing between its teeth. Its long, talon-like nails on human-like hands were clawing for more. The horse shocked my body into movement. I screamed and I cried and tried to step away, but slipped, tearing the bedsheet on the way down as I tried to break my fall. I bumped my head on her TV stand, and I blacked out.
When I came to, the smell of blood quickly reminded me of what I'd already tried to block out. The combination of the smell, the nausea, the head trauma was too much, and my body once again acted on its own. I vomited. I had no idea what time it was, but it was still dark. Ice ran through my veins, and my head throbbed as I stood up. I looked over at Grandma. The thing was gone, but so was Grandma's head. Well, Mitch, I got to say, I usually want the submissions that we get to be true stories, but I think in this case, I am willing to make an exception. There is no way I want to encounter what this guy did tonight. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a rough one. I'm, I mean, okay, this is why. And this is, I guess this is something that I have to get used to with Japanese ghost stories and legends and yokai. You see, in the West, in a lot of ghost stories, you don't really feel like there is any kind of long-term physical repercussions aside from maybe like someone getting some scratches or maybe a bite mark or a, a push. But I'm finding more and more as I research Japanese ghost stories that there are things like, oh, I don't know, it results in death or just the visceral destruction of a human body. So <laughs> I, I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, it, does it change? Are you feeling the same thing? Does it change the way you feel about this kind of stuff? Yeah, the more we start to delve deeper into these, we are noticing body parts are going missing and whole entire families and it does get a little more grotesque, and, well, I, I find it a little more interesting. Yeah, it is more interesting. You know what it does? It shows you that there are repercussions to these interactions, and it's not just a spooky encounter that you can necessarily walk away from. So that is a little bit terrifying, but, you know, it's just something new and interesting for us to explore. So why don't we go ahead and just kind of go over the main points of this and then start picking it apart here. Yeah, sure. That sounds good. Uh, where do you want to start? All right. So this guy, uh, he's a salary man, right? He, and for those of you who don't know what the term salary man is, that's a term that Japanese use to refer to office workers. It's a very common term. And it sounds like he's having a pretty bad day. He's he's getting dressed down at work. His grandma is sick and at, at home, but he thinks his brother's looking after him, but he's not. He comes home to no electricity after all these things that have been going on, and then the conditions are just increasingly worse and worse as he gets closer and closer to the body, basically. Yep, and yep. then he encounters some kind of creature in the room. And it is feasting on Grandma. I think more importantly, it's feasting on her head. Also, we don't we do get some descriptions about like the the creature being man like or human like in some parts, but we don't really get a, a like too much else. Yeah, it it seems like okay. Uh, he said, "Old man, 
greasy, long white hair, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Greasy. <laughs> I just hate that. It just, <laughs> it's, it's cringy. Uh, scaly white arms and uh, long nails, maybe like talons or like claws. And grandma's head was gone. So this is definitely uh, more visceral than uh, what we're typically used to dealing with here. Now, I have a couple ideas of a yokai that these could be, but do we have any good real-world explanations for what this could be? Oh, goodness. Um, I, do you want to start with one of those while I try and come up with some? I, I, I'm not, not too many are coming to mind. Um, you know, obviously this, this person came home to either some sort of murder or came across some sort of animal attack. Um, but why don't you go ahead? Okay. I, I was kind of trying to think what it could even be. And I suppose it could be a person that just a really horrible person that, you know, maybe robbed the old lady, attacked her, killed her, and then just took it to the next level. You know, he was, they just turned it into this violent crime and a violent assault. And see, the thing is, it could have been a robbery gone wrong, but that person had another underlying psychological issue that causes them to do this kind of thing in a violent situation. Because you read all kinds of stories and there are some crazy people out there. I mean, the other thing is you are in a city And, you know, although Tokyo, that kind of area is a pretty civilized area, you don't have a ton of like wild dogs and things, perhaps there's some kind of animal that gets in there. Because, I mean, it's still possible for animals to get rabies, right? So somebody gets a dog, it gets loose in the city. Maybe it encountered a tanuki that had rabies or another animal that had rabies gets in there and it just goes berserk. And... The whole thing is this this all occurs in the dark, so he might start thinking it's a, something else, and you know okay. in, in the panic yeah. of the moment, like that's how he describes it, but I mean, I'm really having a difficult time explaining this aside from it being just a brutal person committing a heinous crime. I think you make a good point um talking about someone with an alternate condition. We know that the building itself didn't have power for quite a while. If this lady was sick or unable to attend to herself, who knows how long? Um, yeah, if this someone broke into the house and had something else, you know, break in their head. Yeah, sure. I mean, that makes sense to me. I think that's probably our closest definition of what the alternate possibility would be. Yeah, honestly, I think this would be a good one for our listeners to come in with on if they have any kind of logical explanation for that. True, but true. to be honest, I don't think our listeners are coming in to hear rational explanations. I think they want to get into the supernatural. So do you have any suspects for us tonight? Yeah, so I think that the creature we have on hand is a kubikajiri. And the reason why I think that is the physical descriptions of the creature described in the story. So you have the greasy hair scaly skin um typically elderly looking also kind of older uh definitely meets the description but you also get this creature that is taking and eating heads yeah i think it could be a 
Kubi Jakiri too, because I mean it they eat heads, right? So <laughs> Yeah. And, and they they eat the dead. And so if this was the case that there was already a deceased person that actually kind of leads lends credence to that, we I think generally the description fits, like it could be an old man. It doesn't have to be an old man, right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, it very well could be that. All right, well, so that was what I was thinking. What do you got on deck? All right. I don't think mine is quite as good as yours, but I did find a kind of decent one. This one is called Jikininki. <laughs> okay. Yes, this okay. one is called right. a, this one is called a Jikininki. And a Jikininki is is a ghost and it looks like a monstrous human with sharp teeth and beastly features. But it, it, it is human-esque, so I think it kind of fits in there. It eats flesh and bone. And this is kind of a There hungry, we go. Mm-hmm. This is the hungry ghost of a person who was evil in life. And in some cases, they were even like corrupt monks or priests. But anyway, it's this evil person. And as a result of maybe being hungry for the wrong things in life, they end up becoming a ghost that is hungry for the flesh of the dead. From what I understand, they eat to only temporarily ease the suffering, but it really doesn't satisfy them. So they're just kind of cursed with this eternal hunger for death. And they do tend to stay away from highly populated places with humans. They prefer more abandoned places. But I think that still this could occur, you know, in maybe an old part of town. Again, the the grandma was kind of abandoned by everybody. So she's there alone. You know, that maybe if it was a busy, bustling apartment building, that thing would be less likely to appear. But a place mm-hmm. where there's not a lot of foot traffic, somebody comes in, I think that makes it a contender. But the thing that kind of steers me a little bit away from that is that the head was consumed. Right. So although that maybe that one just prefers That's- that yeah know. exactly so i think it's a pretty good contender i still think yours is a little better do we have any others actually yeah so when i was doing some research and looking over some other possible yokai uh, another one caught my eye which i think it could be so i'm just gonna run it by you and see what you think they're called umi niobo or niobo basically what they are uh translated that means sea wife they have like web toes small scaly uh so that's kind of like the scale bit of it um they resemble at least a little bit like fish we don't really get too much about the other parts of their body we just saw or the story just mentions that they look like a man but maybe his torso or other parts of his body maybe has like scales like fish maybe ish but the thing that they have in common they also frequent and eat people they can last or at least Legend has it they can last on land for quite a while, so I don't see it being a problem. Let's just say this creature wants to grab a ride and look for an easy target. Oh, look, this block has power out for a little bit. There we go. Yeah, I mean, that it sounds is far like away it, from the scene. <laughs> I'm I'm not convinced on that one, but All I right. think that's a. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> it's I, a bit of I a just, stretch. I thought it might work. 
I think it is a bit of a stretch, but hey, it's at least something else that we can learn about tonight. And I'll go ahead and give you one more. And I would kind of put this one in third place out of the four that we have tonight. And this thing is called a chimi. And a chimi is a mountain spirit that has a human-like face, but more of a monstrous or maybe bestial body. I think that they're roughly human-sized, but they're probably a little bit stronger. You know, they, like they said, they're monstrous, so they've got claws, they've got sharp teeth. They're typically found in natural places, so that could make this a little difficult. But what if his grandma lives in a suburb of Tokyo? And you got to remember, Japan is mountainous everywhere. And you can right. have houses right up against a mountain. Maybe this thing came down through the mountain and it, they're, they're known to feed on the bodies of the dead. And they also like to, they like to attack humans. So, I mean, it could have even attacked and killed her. We don't know because we don't know how she died exactly. We think that maybe she died and something came, but what if something broke in and actually did it? I think it's a contender, but I don't know if it would have eaten the whole, the whole body or if it would have just eaten the head. I, I'm still kind of on the fence, but I think it, it could possibly be one of those in the right situation. Looking at all of the different options, if I did actually have to make a choice about what exactly probably could have done this, uh, the Kubi Kajiri, I think, still is still probably my first choice, mainly because out of all the things that this creature could have done, it stuck with the head. I think that's very important. Yeah, I agree with you. I think my final pick on this one tonight would definitely be the Kubi Kajiri, because while the other ones do have some credence, and I think those ones, you know, it's probably like a 60% chance that it could be them. But Kubi Kajiri, I feel like the general impression I got about the situation, the way it focused on eating the head, and those things combined really has completely convinced me that that is our lead contender tonight. So I think that's the one I'm going to go for. Yeah, I think so too. Well... You know, I think that we've made our choice for tonight. And I know this was a little bit shorter one than usual, but I think it was pretty cut and dry. If any of our listeners have an alternative explanation, please reach out to us on social media. We have posts about this story and our other stories and let us know what you think. And we'll try and give you any feedback we can and learn more in this discussion. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to telling you another interesting story next time. One Hundred Ghostly Candles is written and produced by Nathaniel Miller and Mitch Hammond. Join us on social media at Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook to discuss this show and more. If you like tonight's episode, rate and review us at your favorite podcatcher, and be sure to share it with your family and friends. Thank you for listening to our ghostly tale. Join us again next time as we light another candle. Good night.